Bro, it's been a very, very, very busy weekend for me. Um, so just a quick disclaimer before we get into it. I haven't seen much football. Proud, I'm, I'm so proud of you. So I'll just do the jokes. Or I'll try and do the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll try and figure some puns on the way. But I guess I'll let you do most of the, uh, the analysis. Oh, that is pressure. <laughs> talk about the United game yeah 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 why not that's a good place. That's, a, that's a good place to start yeah I um, guess it was like the biggest game of the weekend that didn't happen at the weekend it was on a Monday yeah yeah the reason we're late yeah exactly exactly <laughs> um what's your what's your take on it um what is your take on the game how do you think it went well it's it's a bit of a weird one. Like as a as a fan of Man United, I've kind of come to terms with the fact that we lose a lot of games now. So kind of going into this game, on one hand I felt like a bit of an underdog, considering I was we weren't sure if like say Rashford was fit. Um obviously Anthony Martial's out. Um but then equally we're at home and Arsenal often struggle at Old Trafford. So I kind of was just in a bit limbo as to what I expected of the game. Um and then to be honest you can tell both teams are probably going to struggle to get in the top four this year based on their performance yes. alone. Yeah. Um, I'd say that. There was some like, you know, as, as a neutral, I guess, there are some standout moments from players like, obviously, um, Scott McTomney seemed to play well. And yeah. Ars- Ars- who's yeah. Arsenal's youngster, the number 77, I think he played as. Oh, um, Saka. Yeah, he looked he looked quite good. Yeah, it looked real good. So on that front, like youngsters coming good. through is always exciting. Um, it's hard to to say much. in In the end, I feel like United probably had the better of chances. Um, yeah, but one one seemed like a fair result ultimately. I I don't. It was a terrible game. Yeah, I mean it. It it was made slightly better in the second half by the fact that it that the game was made a bit more open. Yeah, I was um I was extremely disappointed with Pepe. Yeah, he doesn't look like he's up for it yet. I thought he looked really bad. Like I thought that he looked insanely bad. Um, I'm. I don't. I haven't seen enough of him this season to be like, no, he's not going to be that great. But at the same time, I've seen two good moments. I've seen him tear Ben Mee up apart yeah. in one move. And he, you know, he caused Liverpool a few problems on the counter-attack. But apart from that, I'm not a massive, I'm not a massive fan. It's it's one of them where, you know, a lot of people give players a bit of a 
a bligh and say, you know, they they need time to settle in, etc. It's been seven games, it's early in the season, etc. But when you're paying that much money for a player, you expect them to kind of hit the ground running. You think of players like, say, let's take, say, Mohamed Salah at Liverpool. As soon as he joined, he hit the ground running. He was good from the very start. So with like Sadio Mane, like, you know, attacking players that you spend 50 plus million on, you really expect to hit the ground running and Pepe just hasn't done that. So I'm not sure we can use the excuse of like, it's early, it's only seven games in, we haven't seen enough of him. He should have done enough by now to justify that much money. No, no, I agree. Yeah. I, agree. I think that it's... The thing is, is he come with quite a big reputation, but the reputation was based really on one season. Yeah. And that was my worry. And, and it's not to say that I don't think he's going to come good because I... I do. I think he. I do think he's going to come good. But at the moment, I'm not seeing anything from him. Yeah, I hear that fully. Um, I do think if Arsenal had Lacazette yesterday, they would have won. Um, yeah, yeah I, I hear just, that. Just purely because I think that he is. You know, they would have stuck a bang out on the wing as good as Saka done. You know, them three up top. Yeah. Might have made a bit of a difference, might have scared you guys a little bit more. Um, it's interesting. I look at the two squads and they're like, I feel like Man United are like bottom heavy in terms of if you're looking at, um, we've got, I think, arguably one of the, we're in the top four for defences in the league. You look at our defenders, Maguire's solid, Lindelof is, you know, really coming of age. wan is a good player. Luke Shaw, when he's fit, is a good player. He got still, although he's made a few mistakes in the last season, De Gea is still one of the best keepers in the world. I think defensively, Man United look like they could be very, very solid. But we lack up front. We play Mar- um, Rashford on his own and he's not really a number nine. Then if you flip the script, you look at um, Arsenal, they're very top heavy, like Katie Price. Um, they- <laughs> uh, the first joke. <laughs> yeah, they're mad top heavy. They've got like an incredible striker who's always going to get you 20 goals plus a season in Aubameyang and then Lacazette as well. Um, although Pepe's not really saying much at the moment. They've got some... You know, this this Sabellos guy looks pretty good. Um, Guendouzi, although he's not like an attacking player, looks pretty good. But at the back, Arsenal look a bit lacklustre at times. Um, so I feel like both teams have problems where they're not the complete team and hence why they're both going to struggle for the top four. I think one team lacks a bit in defence, one team lacks a bit in attack. Um, do you think that's a, a fair um, analysis? Yeah, the only thing I'm I'm struggling to agree with you on is whether or not United have the fourth best defence in the league. You not think? I think well, Maguire so is solid. I, Lindelof's good. Go so on. I'd rather have a, a fully fit defence. Yeah. I'd rather have Cities. I'd yeah, rather yeah, have yeah, Liverpool's and I'd rather have Tottenham's. Yeah. I'm just trying to think about who else there might be. I just Something doesn't sit quite well with me to think that they're... Like I've literally just pulled up the league table now just to have a look at how many goals we've conceded this season. We've conceded seven goals in seven games. Okay. That's not bad. I mean, Liverpool yeah. and Leicester have conceded less. Other than that, we're level with Sheffield United somehow, Crystal Palace and Man City. Okay, all right. That's a pretty good defence. I think it, it goes to show that like attacking-wise, we've scored how many goals? Only nine in seven games, which is, you know, very unlike Manchester United. We've only scored yeah. more than one goal in the first game of the season. Um, yeah. 
So I, I think it goes to show like up top, we maybe we lack a little bit, whereas we've got good players, but we don't have that out and out goal scorer. Like Arsenal have a Bamiyang, like Man City have Aguero or Jesus or Sterling or, you know, everyone, every team you look at the team, not every team, but every good team, you look at them and think that's where your goals are coming from. Harry Kane, yeah. etc. You look at us and you think Rashford don't score 20 goals a season. James has no, no. proven himself. Martial doesn't score 20 goals a season. Like, I think that's where we're lacking. No, I agree on what you're saying. I think the the thing for me mm-hmm. with where with the performance yesterday is I think it does show that there's not 100% confidence in Rashford purely because he's getting swapped out so quickly. Yeah. He's getting, do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, all right, okay, He's not. He's not doing great. Let's let's go back to the drawing board. Let's try and stick James up front and see if he can do anything. And yeah, I think that, and that's that's a concern. I mean, you didn't buy anyone in the summer really as a striker. Um, I doubt you're going to in January. So I don't know where your goals are going to come from. Can we just mention how good Lukaku and Sanchez are playing for Inter Milan right now? That is a real you know kick in the teeth. <laughs> well, I know I know Lukaku scoring a few goals. I haven't heard much of Sanchez. Um, I know he scored the other night. He scored two goals, um, which is already more goals than he scored all season last season. See, look, and there we are. That's the Man United effect. So when you look at it, when you look at it that way, it's really difficult because uh, it goes to show that we get rid of good players, but. Me- with that in mind, it suggests maybe the problem is the management. The problem is like the club and the pressure and all these other things. It isn't actually the players. Take Pogba again. Oh. Pogba, he looked okay yesterday, but when he's around good players and a good setup and under a good manager, he is one of the best midfielders in the world. But with the Man United effect, too often he's inconsistent. I mean, yeah, I, I, I didn't think he had a great game yesterday but I don't think he had a bad game at the same mm. time um, I thought Tuan Zebe looked good oh yeah shout out to him yeah he looked pretty solid um, I was really impressed with him yeah man I think that he looked really really good um, I'm very it's, it's, a, it's a weird thing I know I heard um, I heard on Monday Night Football yesterday Carragher could describe them as they are playing like the, the 8th and the 11th best team in the league Wow. That's kind of hard to argue with though. Yeah. Like, because the, I mean, name me another season where seven games in United and Arsenal combined have the same amount of points as Liverpool. I don't think that's ever happened in our lifetime. Do you know what I mean? And it's, it's kind of, I think that's the magnitude of the backward step. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I I can't see either of you getting top four. Personally, I think the I think the fact that you guys lack goals so badly is really going to hinder you. Yeah, because it's okay it's okay getting clean sheets, but if you've got no one to stick the ball in the net at the top, it's yeah. a good finish from Scott McTominay yesterday. But how many times are you going to get that in a season? Yeah, I mean that's something to be happy about. You know, Scott McTominay coming coming through but equally again we shouldn't 
be relying on young players who are like supposed to be developing to like carry us. Carry yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because you know what happens when Carrius is in goal. Yeah. Uh, what, what Liverpool get to a Champions League final? But yeah, it goes. I, I was trying to make a joke in there somewhere. I didn't know where. <laughs> ah, right. Right, moving swiftly on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think there is cause for concern. Mm. Um, I think that the, the the only thing Arsenal have got over United is that in Arsenal's defence, their two wing backs, their two main wing backs, haven't played yet. And I quite like Bellerin. Yeah, I think and Bellerin's I like, good going like forward Tierney. as well. Yeah. I like Tierney as well, and also Rob Holding's a decent centre back. So yeah, he's just holding on, have... isn't he? Oh lord! Oh <laughs> lord! <laughs> Honestly, you are coming in with the jokes. I'm coming through. <laughs> um, so that's the only thing Arsenal have over United. I just because and Arsenal United do have Martial to come back, mm-hmm. but like you said, he is not someone that I'd be like. I'm confident he's going to score today. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Um, so, but overall, terrible game and they should both really be concerned with Leicester. Yeah. Because I think Leicester are a great shout for the top six. Oh my God, Leicester. You know what, Dan? You know how like footballers like go on loan and whatever? I might yeah. go on loan to Leicester. Yeah. I might just be a Leicester fan for however long until Man United sort out their stuff and then you know they can recall me from loan or whatever but I'm happy to go on loan to Leicester because they're such a wonderful club to watch and such a wonderful club to support I feel their midfield is incredible and and I'll tell you what the only change that Leicester have made to their defence is uh, the centre-back Soyonchu for Harry Maguire and they've kept they've kept sorry they've conceded less goals than you guys yeah this Soyonchu guy looks good like, he looks like they look like they're not missing Maguire at all, and this is, and that's a crazy thing. They've just they've just got eighty million for a defender that, you know, it's not like they've got a massive hole at the back of their in the in their back four. Yeah, um, I really like Leicester's creativity. I like Tielemans, yeah, um, and D, and Didi. Ricardo um, Pereira is a definite shout for a fantasy football team. Yes, I had him in my team for a bit last year, and he he, can't, he comes up with goals out of nowhere I mean, for a right be, back. He gets forward well. Yeah, to be honest, I don't I don't really want to talk about fantasy football because I actually find myself bottom still. <laughs> and I thought I had a bad week. You mug. <laughs> like I, I did put a Bamiang in my team yesterday though, so he did and he scored. So that's your one saving grace. Um, but it's. Uh, how much am I on bottom by six points? Oh, I actually had a better week than you, though. Yeah, I had a terrible week. De Bruyne is the only one um, that's keeping me going at the moment. But yeah, I mean, Leicester—they've got—they've got a good goalkeeper. They've seemed to have two settled centre backs. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a good spot. They've got a good centre midfield spine in terms of Ndidi and Tielemans, and then Jamie Vardy up front is always someone that you know you're confident he's going to get a goal. Yeah. Um, Jamie Vardy, isn't, he's, an, he's a different class of striker. Yeah, he's he's just, he just applies that pressure 
and he's he's smart about how he goes about what he does. Um, I think what's quite interesting I, about Vardy as well is like um, he he might not even touch the ball that much throughout the game. He runs about and like hassles defenders, but he doesn't actually get the ball that much. When he does, you know, it like something happens. But what I quite like about him is his like constant annoyance of defenders takes certain defenders out of the game and makes space for other players. Um, Which is kind of, I guess, sort of similar to how Firmino kind of plays as that number nine role. The difference is Jamie Vardy kind of is more of a goal threat than Firmino, I believe. Uh, To a degree, yeah. uh, The thing is as well, Jamie Vardy's got the pace factor about him as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. (sighs) Yeah, I mean, they were playing a Newcastle team that is on the decline. Yeah. Um, And I made... I made the big sort of statement of saying that I think Newcastle are going to stay up this season. Now, the issue with Newcastle is, um, this is the biggest job that Steve Bruce is going to get. What, in his career? Um, yeah, in his career. Like, this, this is the biggest club he's going to get. You don't think he's going to be England manager one day? <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> so, so, why does he persist on boring people? Mm. Why doesn't why doesn't he just go for it? Why doesn't he? I mean, even if they go down, but they go down fighting and they go down with an in, in an attacking style. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like what he's trying to do is he's trying to be Rafa Benitez without actually being that good. Yeah, something quite, and gone. He he sort of he creates this defensive this defensive tone, be it home or away. But they're still conceding five goals. They're still conceding goals upon goals upon goals. And it's just like, if they if they was to go for it, it wouldn't matter so much if they were conceding goals because they would be a threat going forward as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? They've heavily invested. They've heavily invested this summer in attacking players. But all these attacking players are doing is just watching this ball loop up in the air because the defence is just trying to get it away, mm-hmm. ready for the next wave of attacks. Yeah. From from my perspective, it seems like Newcastle play old school football, but Newcastle show how outdated it is. There was something interesting, Steve Bruce, he kind of dismissed tactics in so many words in an interview. I can't remember where I saw the interview, but he said something about tactics are unnecessary if you're not like going for it, which I guess is along the lines of what you said. But I kind of feel... Players aren't as like, I don't know, how can I put this? Back in the day, when when me and you played Sunday League football, when Man United won a lot, um, you know, every team played 4-4-2. I don't think the manager needed to tell you that much for you to kind of know what your role is in certain respects. Like the manager's main responsibility was like to to motivate his players. Um, Whereas now post tiki Taka and you know we define players rather than by position but by like number or by like style of play so as a result I think tactics are so much more important in the way the game's played today so for Steve Bruce to dismiss tactics playing in the Premier League I think is proving to be his downfall you can see when I watched the game it seemed like Leicester you know they 
they had an idea of what they were doing tactically. Players worked for each other and, you know, players knew that if he runs there, I run here, etc. Newcastle just seemed to hit and hope a bit and kind of like wander about and like not really know who's running where, etc. Um, and I think that's what Steve Bruce's downfall is, like not actually, well, taking for granted tactics. I may be wrong, I don't know. Well, that might explain why he's tactically inept. Yeah. Um, he, I mean, this is a real stupid statement to make, if that's the case. If that's the case that he's saying, well, tactics aren't really part of what we're trying to do and, and all this and that. Tactics are the base for, for a team. Mm. That's the base of a game. If you have tactics, you have a way of playing. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. And if that's the... It, this is the thing now. He needs to... This is his hometown club. And I get that he's probably like, oh my God, like I need to try and... I need to try and stabilise everything. Problem is, is your defence isn't good enough to play defence. Yeah. If, so just try and attack. Mm. Just try it. What's the worst that can happen? You're going to excite fans. You might score a few more goals. And hey, you might get a couple more wins. If you continue going attacking... You're going to score no goals. You're going to bore fans and you're going to get sacked by Christmas. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's, not, that's why Steve Bruce rant. I think, you know what? I think Steve Bruce is a championship manager at best. He yeah, should, he's a good championship manager. He should have probably, it would have been in his best interest to wait for Newcastle to get relegated anyway, inevitably sack their manager, whoever that may be. And then pick up Newcastle as a championship team. And then he could live out his yeah. dream job and, you know, probably be successful and the fans may like him, etc. But I feel he's done that thing that, you know, you, you inherit something that's in a bad position and you're not capable of fixing it and you just turn into a villain. Like, isn't, yeah. He's a Geordie, right? Am I right in thinking he's like, Newcastle is his club. Like, he's a Newcastle boy. He's a fan. Yeah, yeah, he's from Newcastle. So, yeah, man, it's just... You, put yourself at such risk when you take on like a dream job like that in, in the position they're in. Um, yeah. probably I mean, going. Down. Like I said, I think he's made a rod for his own back. Yeah. And I think the issue is now is he just needs to go, he just needs to go out in a blaze of glory. That's yeah. really what he needs to do. Yeah. Um, so talking of, well, the, the only way I can go about this next one is, it's madness. Steve Bruce talking about tactics aren't important. Yeah. Which is almost as mad as what Hugo Lloris done against Southampton. That really bothered me because Hugo Lloris, I put in my fantasy squad thinking Tottenham will get a clean sheet. <laughs> I mean, wow. I think capable of doing stupid mistakes. Yeah. Like, like if you go back to the World Cup final, when oh, he made yeah. the stupid mistake then. He makes mistakes in games where Tottenham don't lose, though. He manages to get away with the mistakes. To be fair, to be fair to him, I can't remember who it was against, but he's made a couple of cracking saves after that. Yeah. So he's kind of, he has kind of redeemed, redeemed himself. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is it's just stupid mistakes. And I think that's the thing that bothers you the most. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that it's just not needed. Yeah. Well, I, all I was going to say is, you know, despite... Lloris's attempt to sabotage and Serge Aurier getting sent off after 31 minutes. That's, they still come out on top. Yeah. 
Well, I want to say something about Hugo Lloris and like goalkeepers in general. Like we've definitely spoke about this before, and it's it's again quite a new thing. Like you know, keepers are expected to be another player, and I think some keepers are cut out for it. Some keepers were probably, you know, raised being an extra player. You look at keepers like Allison. Maybe even Edison was brought in for that reason. Players like um, Manuel Neuer. You know, there's a few goalkeepers in the world who like you know can be an outfield player. But then there are also goalkeepers who are great goalkeepers and are being told to play like an outfield player, take on strikers, pass the ball about. But they're not built that way. So they've definitely got a mistake in them. You know, you can see there's like an anxiousness when they're trying to do this, pass the ball about. Um, yeah, I think that was the death of Petr Cech, actually. Yeah, well, that, that's what I was going to say. I think the the reason... I think the the biggest example you can give of a great goalkeeper that tried to modify his game to be more modern was Petr Cech, and it did not work out for him whatsoever. Yeah, um, he he couldn't get used to it. He, he couldn't get used to you know trying to switch play, you know trying to play out from the back. And this is a thing now, and it, everyone is trying to play out from the back. Everyone is trying to be a Pep Guardiola team. Yeah. And it doesn't suit some teams. Mm-hmm. Like, all of a sudden, because this new laws come in that you can play the ball inside the box from goal kicks, it's like everyone wants to do it. Yeah. It didn't bother anyone before that you weren't able to do it, but now that you can, it's like, oh, yeah, we need to do that. That'll give us an extra dimension. But booting it long or picking out a pass on the wing was effective for you last season, so why are you trying to change it? Yeah. Uh, I I I don't understand the the complete commitment that everyone's trying to do to make them to make their play fancy and to play up from the back and like mm. I, I'm I'm still quite a fan of old school and I know that obviously what you said earlier about it might be outdated but I quite liked like Leicester, for instance, when they won the league, it was a four-four-two. It was a little man and a big man up top. It was two wingers crossing the ball in. We like a little man and a big man. That's yeah, old, that's old school. Yeah, that's old school, and I like that. Um, it may not be fantastic to watch. You know, you you'd rather watch Man City, but there's something a, a bit romantic about you know a, a winger running down the wing and crossing a ball in, and it actually being a decent cross for someone to get on the the end of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the other thing I wanted to touch on with this game was Serge Aurier. Yeah. Um, did you see the, the red card? I did actually. Um, the second one's not a not a yellow. I, I, but the thing is with Serge Aurier, like you can tell he's from when he joined Tottenham. I always saw that he's a bit of a hothead, and he's the kind yeah, of player right. you can you can wind up. So I don't know if after the first yellow card, maybe he said something to the referee or. You know, he could have been in the referee's bad books already, which like maybe yeah. amplified. The ref probably wanted to send him off and found the second challenge as an excuse. Maybe so, maybe so. I mean, I I just felt like it wasn't it wasn't worthy, mm-hmm. and it, it shouldn't have happened. Yeah, it shouldn't have happened. I mean, like like we're saying, Tottenham didn't suffer from it. They still got the three points. Um, but on another day that could be something to complain about 
Yeah, there's something about Tottenham at the moment, actually. I feel like they're not doing too bad in the league this season, but they definitely feel like their luck has been on their side a little bit. Like, there's been a few times where they've, like, gone down and managed to salvage something rather than just, like, you know, dominating games. Or they've, you know, they've slipped up but been lucky not to slip up enough to lose three points, whatever it may be. Yeah. Well, I think just the the whole what's going on at Tottenham is just a really interesting concept at the moment. I, I kind of, I'm not really sure if they've progressed since, say, last season or, or not. I don't, I don't really understand what's going on there. What, what do you think is happening at Tottenham? Um, it, it, I think, I don't really think they've progressed, but I don't think they've digressed either. So they're just doing it at Everton, but like a bit higher up the table. <laughs> yeah, well, what I think it is, is Tottenham have really, Tottenham have spent big, but Jack Clark's gone straight back on, out on loan. Mm-hmm. So really, they've only signed one player in Tungai and Dembele. Yeah. Who is a, who is a player, by the way. Yeah, he's real I mean, good yeah, player. definitely. Um, it's not, it's not a, um, it's it's not going to change overnight signing just one player. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like just signing him is not going to be a cat. It's not going to be a catalyst for change. Um, I still think they're a good side. I think this season is massive for them because mm-hmm. they need to do something this season. They need to win something because they've got three very good first teamers that are out of contract at the end of the summer. Yeah. In Ericsson, Alderweireld and Vertonghen. And if that, if if their season doesn't go very well and they get Europa League, for instance, which I don't think they will, I think Tottenham will get Champions League football. That's a very hard ask to replace them players when you've got no fee in for them. Yeah. I feel like Tottenham have lost more than they've gained in the like transfer window. And not just that, I feel it's weird because you look at play, like they lost Trippier. Um, they didn't yeah, lose Ericsson, but I think his attitude maybe has changed enough for it to feel like losing part of him. So an, an unpopular opinion, I don't think it would have been a bad thing if they'd have lost Ericsson. I, I agree because of the attitude change. I think I, it's weird. Well, he, he, so he's got a year left on his contract. Yeah. Oh, sorry. They, they signed Giovanni Lasso as well. I forgot. But I haven't really seen too much of him. Yeah, same. Um, the, the Ericsson's got a year left on his contract. They should have give, got, got rid of him, got him off the wage bill, sent him off to Real Madrid for a half-decent fee, and then try to restart everything again. Yeah, cashed in. And, then, and, and that's what they should have done. Um, I don't think he would have been a massive miss, um, personally. I think that they could have coped without him. Um, I think that it's going to be a lot bigger miss if they don't get any money for him. Because mm-hmm. in this market, when everyone's everyone's a lot more inflated in price, mm-hmm. you're, you're always going to struggle. You are yeah. always going to struggle to pick up a player of his quality when you've not got any money for him in the first place. Yeah. 
Um, especially if someone as prudent as Daniel Levy as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I personally think that I don't think they're going to win anything this season, which I think is a worry. Um, I couldn't tell you if Potch is going to stay, but I think they'll, I think they'll be okay. I think yeah. they might, I think they might be on the decline a little bit next season, but they'll still be better than most. Yeah, maybe maybe this is one for Ginge, actually. Like, it'll be interesting to talk to a Spurs fan to find out exactly what fans actually want from their club. And if they're happy mm. with, like, just a third place, no trophies every year. Cause they it's also, a lot more than what they used to have. Well, we haven't mentioned, but since we last did the podcast, you know, there was the League Cup and Tottenham got knocked out of that um, and don't seem to care. But surely... They're not likely to win the league, so maybe like a little cup is necessary to go for. Maybe they should have went for that a bit more. I think they did care. I think they did care. I think it's more embarrassment more than anything else because it's Colchester United. Um, oh, yeah. and they didn't play. Exactly, they, didn't, they didn't exactly play a bad team. Mm. Um, you're right. That is something they should be looked to winning. Um, I think when you've gone as long as they have without winning a trophy, I don't think anything can be classed as a Mickey Mouse trophy. Yeah. Um, so, that's going to be a big blow to them. I think they'll concentrate hard on the FA Cup. And I think they should concentrate hard on the FA Cup. Um, but it, it'll be very interesting. It'll be very interesting uh, to see how, 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 it, how it pans out and whether or not they try to sell... Ericsson for a cut price in January, even though we can leave on a free in the summer, mm. or whether or not they try and bring someone in so that they're both there. Or maybe that's what they've done with La Salto. But yeah, it's all it's all fun and games. While we're on topic of the Carabao Cup, um I don't want to go into too much detail about it because I don't massively care at this stage too much but what I do care about and what really excited me was that um, our hometown club that we both grew up near to the stadium Oxford United um, battered my current local club West Ham um, and I just wanted to point out that I'm really chuffed about that even though I so had I went to, to the it. game you went to the game yeah, I went to the game. Why did you not tell me this at the start? This is what? what? Wow, was see, it good? Look, see, look, surprises. You bring the jokes, I bring the surprises. Oh, I love that. <laughs> um, Oxford were real good. Mm. Oxford were real good. Um, Shandon Baptiste mm-hmm. um, is a player that people need to be looking out for. Shandon, um, if you if you happen to check out the highlights, he scored the fourth goal. Okay, Took it really really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a it was a calm first half. I think West Ham had more of the play. Uh, Jack Wilshere in the centre sort of done done a bit. Yeah. Um, second half, Oxford just battered them. Yeah. Like they West Ham made subs. They brought on Sebastian Haller, Felipe Anderson, Mark Noble, and there still was no real chance of them scoring. Mm. Um. And that atmosphere was electric. Nobody thought we were, nobody thought Oxford were going to win 4 0. And I think that, although it's kind of gutter in that 
it's Sunderland at home in the next round. It's not as bad because it's a winnable game. Yeah. And there is potential there to get into the quarters. And speaking of Sunderland, maybe to add to the excitement of that tie, um, one, check out the Sunderland documentary if you haven't done so already because it's it's hilarious. It's not supposed to be hilarious, but it is. Um, but also, I've heard a rumour, and it's just a rumour, so maybe you can verify this for me. Rumours of Sunderland being bought out by a consortium that's going to make him one of the richest clubs in the world. Is that is that a thing, or is that just a rumour I've heard? Uh, I've not heard it. That's not to say that I'm in the know, uh, but I haven't heard it, no. Um, I, I think I overheard this in an interview with Max Power, um, who I just think he's got an interest. He's got a funny name. His name sounds like yeah, a deodorant. It's a, it's a strong name. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that'd be interesting if Sunderland are to become one of the richest clubs in the world. Um, maybe they'll, maybe the documentary will be a bit more like a Tarantino film. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Um, the, I mean, as we're on the subject of West Ham. Yeah. Uh, 2-2 away at Bournemouth. Um, I don't necessarily think that's a bad result. No, I think that it's hard to kind of suggest who the better club is, generally. Yeah. I quite like, I quite, well, I don't necessarily, I, I like Bournemouth more than I like West Ham for some reason, even though West Ham are my local. But um, yeah, it's hard to really suggest who has a better team, who has a better squad. West Ham have obviously spent a lot more. I quite like West Ham. Um, I like I like some of their players. I'm a massive fan of Felipe Anderson. Um, he did have I'm, a bit I'm of a dry of, spell though, didn't he, Anderson? Yeah, he did. He did. Um, I still like him. I still think he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they don't do very well if he goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's very... It's one of them ones, isn't it? It's just very weird because you don't know what you're going to get with them from one moment to the next. I think, um, you know, we're talking a lot about at the start of this episode, we spoke about Man United and Arsenal struggling for top four, maybe even top six. And I, when we say that, I always think of um, who benefits from Arsenal and Man United and maybe Chelsea not making that. Um, and you obviously think of Leicester, who look incredible at the moment. Do Bournemouth, West Ham, fit into that, you know, that circle of challenges for those like top European positions? The inconsistency dictates probably not. Okay. Um, if I had to choose between one of them, I think West Ham are more likely, but I still think that they're incredibly difficult to predict. Yeah. From one week to the next. Mm-hmm. Um. It, I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't see it personally. Mm-hmm. I don't see it. I think I think Leicester are the Leicester are the ones. Yeah, but it's it's going to be real difficult. Uh-huh. Um, even even with United, Arsenal, and Chelsea sort of not doing great, it's still going to be very difficult to 
maintain that they're going to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, I want to quickly mention Palace and Norwich because I think like most kind of, again, mutual fans, everyone got excited by the Pookie party. They beat Man City, which hardly any team ever does. Um, I put what's his name, Cantwell and Pookie in my fantasy squad. You know, I, I expected Norwich to go on and keep it up, but losing to Crystal Palace again is something that not many clubs do. <laughs> um, Bar Man United. <laughs> yeah. Not scoring against Palace is something that I was quite shocked about. Yeah. Um, but it's going to happen. You're going to have peaks and troughs when you play like you do when you're Norwich. Mm-hmm. Um, they're unpredictable they're exciting that'll play into your hands that will also go against you it's they're going to have a lot of this they're going to have big wins they're going to have big losses I think that it's it's whether or not they even themselves out or whether or not one happens a lot more than the other it's going to be the real interesting thing to see I want to say this as well maybe bar Kevin De Bruyne but I think Wilfred Zahar, based on entertainment value, is the most exciting player to watch in the Premier League. The, the flair is just, it's really exciting. Whether he scores goals or not, whether he wins games or not, just what he does when he gets the ball and how he plays is like mad exciting. No, he is real exciting. He is real exciting. And I think, you know, as soon as he... As soon as he squares up to a defender and sort of tries to take him on, you're sort of like, how's he going to do it? And normally it looks real good. Um, Man's just playing FIFA Street. It, yeah. Yeah. To a degree. I think that that's... You can tell his frustration watching Palace play because he's he's a big fish in a small pond. Um I still don't see him leaving for a little while because of how much they want from him, and rightly so. I reckon if PSG get rid of Neymar, I reckon Zaha's the the ideal replacement. I mean, I think that's a great shout, but whether or not they go for it is a completely different story. I mean, and by by no means are we putting Zaha and Neymar in the same category. No, but I mean just. In terms of how they play, I think Neymar's ultimately a bit better. But if you want a flair player, and at the moment, because he plays for Palace, I don't think Zaha's world-renowned like that. I don't think kids in small towns in, like, I don't know, Estonia, are, like, buying shirts of Zaha on their back. But he could be that player no, if he was at no. a bigger club. They're not, because they're all buying Mark Poom shirts. Oh, of course, yeah. The only Estonian football player that... Anyone knows? <laughs> uh, hey, no hey he's the best ever Estonian player. Yeah, shout out Mark Poom. Derby County hero. Poom Poom. Um, <laughs> um, I think it's time now that we spoke about the league leaders. The big clubs, yeah. The clubs that... It's, I mean, what can you say about these clubs that hasn't already been said? They're like just better than everyone else and they're just, they just keep winning. Um, I mean, admittedly, with the Liverpool game, it was a freak goal. It was, it was, you made it a struggle. 
pretty surprised. It was, by that. it was. But I, but I think it's going to be a struggle going to going to them types of places away. Yeah, Sheffield um, haven't conceded much goals this season. You know, they're up there with the, like the least of the best defenses. Should I say? And the thing is, is that they. That's a game that a couple of seasons ago Liverpool had lost. Mm. Um. So to get through that is a massive testament. Mm-hmm. Seven, seven games, seven wins, sixteen wins on the bounce in the league. Um, Am I right in thinking that is Liverpool's best ever run? Yes, yes. It, so it was fourteen. Fourteen was the best. That includes like Liverpool's dominant years in like the seventies and stuff. It's it's yeah. better than that. Yeah. Is it about time that you make a statue? Yes. You knew what I was going to say. <laughs> yes. And honestly, the, the fact that the fact that he spoke about, you know, people are speaking about when he's leaving and the sabbaticals and all that scares the hell out of me. Because who is going to replace him? You should name one of your stands at Anfield the Klopp. Yeah, just the Klopp. The Klopp end, yeah. Or the Jürgen. <laughs> the Jürgen? Is that how they say it? Uh, how they say his name? Um, Jürgen? No, I don't have a clue. That was just me speculating. Um, <laughs> but they, we just, we look so good. We look so, so good. Mm. And the next three games are going to be huge tests for us. Who are your next three games? So our next, our next three games are Leicester at home on Saturday. Mm. Um, then it's the international break. Boo! Yeah, we don't like internationals. Um, on the then countries. we've got Manchester United away, which I believe me and you are going to watch the game. Absolutely, Mason Greenwood hat trick. Yeah. What is that? Is that in the uh, the under twenty ones game just before Ren? Oh, oh, funny. Um, no, he's our first team and, player. Uh, <laughs> he's your best striker. How scary is that? He is. Uh, um, and then. And then Tottenham at home. Oh, that's a that's a tough run of games. But equally, yeah, you know, so, we say it's a tough run of games, but I think Liverpool win all of them. I think you're better than all three clubs. As much as all three of those clubs are generally good, Liverpool are better than all of them. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not doubt, I'm not going to doubt that for a second. However, however, what I will say is, I don't think we're going to win all three games. Because we always, it doesn't matter how good form anyone goes into that, the United-Liverpool game, it always seems to end up a really shitty draw. Mm-hmm. And I can just see it just petering out and, and just a crappy nil-nil. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that same game where form goes completely out of the window. Um, personally, I hope I spank, I hope we spank you. Because it'd be great just to sit next to you, watch it, and then do a podcast straight afterwards and you having to explain how bad your team are. Mm. But, <laughs> but I don't think it's going to happen. Part of me wants to be quite reserved about it because if we lose, I am going to be mad. I am going to be so mad. Especially if we beat Leicester and go 17, unbe- 17 wins on the bounce. Um, well, I mean, I'm a Leicester fan currently. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah. hoping that doesn't happen. In fact, um, I might even buy a Leicester shirt. I haven't bought a United's kit this yeah. season, but I, I might actually oh get a Leicester God. shirt. 
Oh my God, you're an embarrassment. <laughs> just you love fan. it when the highs stick with the lows. I'm just, I'm we being had, a glory hunter. We had Jimmy Traore playing for us. I've had enough lows. <laughs> um, Man City. Again, what what is there to say? They beat Everton, who are notoriously Everton. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think Everton played too badly, to be honest. Um, you know what I mean? They went in 1-1 with Calvert-Lewin scoring a goal on the line. Oh, I love that. The, Can I just say, that really reminds me of something I did to Sam Ponting. Shout out Sam Ponting. Don't know if you listen. <laughs> but when we played for Oxford City, I was never a striker until as I got a bit older and a bit lazier and didn't want to run back and defend. And I remember somehow one season... I was battling with Sam Ponting for top goal scorer. We were playing one of those teams. You know, in Sunday League, there's always that team that's like really bad that you beat like 18-0, whatever. So we're battering this team, battering this team. I must have got like four goals. Sam must have got like four goals or whatever. Um, And then Sam, Sam Ponting, shout out Sam Ponting. He was a very skillful player. He must have like took it round the keeper, was through on goal, open goal. As he's running towards the goal, on his team, I run up to him Tackle him and score. Because <laughs> I was so desperate to make sure I get top goal scorer. And uh, he was pretty pissed off. But, you know, I ended up getting top goal scorer. And seeing Calvert-Lewin like, <laughs> steal his goal kind of reminded me oh of, of a young me. So shout out Calvert-Lewin. Wow. Well, just, just out on the limb, can you, imagine, can you imagine a world in where Calvert-Lewin gets top goal scorer? <laughs> I couldn't imagine that world, to be fair. The, that world sounds like the championship. Oh my god! <laughs> oh wow! Um, but Riyad Mahrez's free kick was something special. I know, I know, Pickford should have saved it. Um, mm. but to put it in that corner so precise was was a great, a great effort. Riyad um, Mahrez is still, a fantastic player, and then still in finishing it off. I just, I mean, we've said this so many times, but I just think it's incredible that Man City, you know, can can start a game with Bernardo Silva, David Silva and Aguero on the bench and still look amazing. They can bring in Mares for Bernardo Silva, who I, I don't know who's better, but they're both extremely good players. Bernardo Silva's better. Fair. But I mean, Mares no is still, Mares would no still get into teams. any team in the league, I think. Uh, apart from Liverpool. I would rather have Mares than uh, Milner. Yeah, but Milner's a centre midfielder. Mares is a right winger. No, I'd rather have Mares than um, Origi. <laughs> yeah, but Origi doesn't <laughs> You are clutching, boy. You are clutching. I'm a little bit. I'd rather have Mares than Oxlade Chamberlain. Would you have Mares or Rafford? Oh, you. That's a tough one. Ooh. Just remember that you said Rashford was world class last season. You know, I think I'd have, I'd rather have Rashford if they played yeah. in the same position. Because I think, oh, it's hard to say. I think if you put Mares up front, I don't think he's as good as Rashford is up front. But I think Mares is slightly better be than Rashford on the up. wing, but. In terms of versatility, I think I'd rather have Rashford. 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, big call. Tough big one. call. Um, just on just on a, a couple of notes. Um, if we fly through the rest, Wolves beat Watford two 0 I mean, Watford dismal starts continuing. Yeah, Watford, uh, Wolves picked crap. up the much needed points. Um, Chelsea beat Brighton. Um, so they should. Yeah. Chelsea, um, I think as good a, to see Cal- go on. Good to see Callum Hudson Doy back. Yeah, man. I was just gonna say it's. I think it's a quite a good time to be a Chelsea fan. I think it's really exciting to see youth coming through. It's really exciting to see a legend managing your club. Um, and equally, because of the transfer ban and because so many young players are playing, um, I think they've got a bit of a, a bit of a bly. In terms of if they don't win anything this year, I don't think it anyone's going to be too disheartened. Any Chelsea fans going to be too disheartened? So being a Chelsea fan right now, I think is quite comfortable. I mean, I, I agree with you. What I would say though is, what happens if they don't perform? Lampard gets sacked. The new manager has a war chest to spend. Hmm. How many of them youngsters are still going to make it? If you've got, if you if you can spend sixty million on a striker, let's say, or eighty million on a striker. Are you still going to play Tammy Abraham? Well, it's it's difficult because Tammy Abraham is proving a real point. And how long are we going to say he's he's not an eighty million pound striker? He's not good enough, or he's replaceable before we realise actually he's he's turning up every game. Right, I, I will tell you now. Tammy Abraham is not an eighty million pound striker. But I mean, how how much longer are we going to say this? And how much longer are we going to like let him keep scoring goals? He needs to do it for a full season in the Premier League. Okay. Fair. Minimum. Minimum. Same with because, like... Go on. Because otherwise, otherwise, you know, someone like... Um, who, who's had one real good season in the Premier League? Scored a lot of goals. Um... Are you talking specifically for Chelsea or generally a player? In general, just in general, like years gone by, like Roque Santa Cruz. Remember that season that he scored sort of 24, 23, 24 goals in the Premier League? Yeah. Was up there with Thomas for for top goal scorer. Yeah. And then and then didn't really and then didn't do it again. Sort of, you know, sort of had had, you know, a half decent score in return then following season, but after that it was it paled in comparison. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Went, went three, season, three seasons in from scoring 20 or Premier League goals to playing in the Spanish fourth division. So it's... Nice to meet it, you. It needs to be a sustained... It needs to be a... Oh, man. <laughs> it needs to be a sustained period of time. Mm-hmm. I think people are so quick now to say he's really good because he's had six weeks of scoring goals. But then the same people will be like, oh, no, he's always been crap when he hasn't scored for the next five, five games. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for me, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good start, but there's been plenty of strikers that have scored, you know, a decent amount of goals at the start of a season and then sort of drifted off. Mm. And don't forget, he's playing in one of the better teams in the league. So he, he, should, he has the opportunities to score goals. Yeah. So... I mean, it's it's you know it's going to see how it happens. 
he's definitely putting up a, a good fight for uh, yeah. his place yeah. in the team. Yeah, he's had a real good start to the season. I don't, I don't think there's any question about his, t- his place in the team because apart, I mean, G- Lampard doesn't seem to fancy Giroud or Batshuayi. So, mm. um, also, he's putting up a good fight for his place in an England squad. Mm-hmm. Well, there's talk of him maybe going to Nigeria, isn't there? Because um, he's got family of Nigerian descent. Oh, so, I see. so he might just do a little Zahar, Wilfred Zahar, and that, or a Saido Berahino. Yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, don't Saido Berahino play for Burundi? Yeah. What a what a player! I think he was actually born there. Whereas you know, was like, it Tammy Abraham, Wilfred Zahar? I think were born here. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, is if you're not going to get games, I mean, because I think that's what he said. I think he said that if he doesn't, if Southgate doesn't call him up mm-hmm. in the next few, in the next few sort of international windows, then he's not going to bother. He's just going to go and play for Nigeria. So, mm-hmm. which is fair, which is fair to him. Um, you know, what, I suppose I, if, he if he doesn't get a call up now, will he ever? I can't remember the episode, but um, I'd like to take this opportunity to throw back to an episode we did. Um, earlier this year where we spoke about it was around the time when Declan Rice the whole Declan Rice saga of does he play for Ireland or England was going on and we had a really interesting conversation about like nationality and which international team you choose to represent Um, rather than have the conversation again I'm just trying to throw listeners back to that episode and maybe I'll try and find it and like post it somewhere but that was that was interesting that was yeah that was real interesting Mm. maybe we could get it on the uh, the Instagram page yes the Instagram page people at the generic football show, give it, a, give it a search. We we need we need followers, okay? Like, yeah. I don't I don't want to beg because I'm I don't yeah I'm just not really a begging person, but I beg you, <laughs> give it a follow. Yes, beg Asmir Begovic. Um, yeah, Asmir. Oh, you're so good at this. <laughs> you're so good at this. After this, we'll do some more phonetics. Yes, um, and. The final game to, was uh, Villa Burnley. Uh, finished two two. Good point for both sides. Yeah, nothing much else to say. Not really much to say. Jack Grealish is a good player. We already knew that. <laughs> Just yeah, Jack Grealish. Yeah, um, yeah, he's, he's he's really good. And that McGinn guy's pretty good. Yeah, he scored another. Yeah, apparently Man United were after him. Something yeah. to do with Sir Alex Ferguson is mates with McGinn's granddad. And oh, Alex fair. Ferguson advised, you know, obviously he still has a bit of a say in Man United. He advised the powers that be at United to like consider McGinn um, and it fell through. But I don't know, maybe that would have been a good signing. I, I don't really know. Um, but yeah. Couldn't have been any worse than what you've already got, buddy. Well, here's an interesting one. Talking about Jack Grealish, who is England's best central midfielder at the moment? You've got Mason Mount, um, Madison, Jack Grealish, Ross Barkley, Henderson. Yeah, who's the best out of these guys? If I t- if I had to pick one for my team now, yeah, it would it would be between Declan Rice and James Madison. Okay. And I'd probably go James Madison. Interesting. I would say Madison or Mount, but that's because I'm specifically thinking of kind of attack-minded midfielders. I've um, just, just quickly, 
just quickly, I have um, I have got a couple of stats for you. Oh, hit me. Um, so most so this was there's a couple of tweets that were put. So this tweet was posted six days ago. Okay. Yeah. Most goals scored in a league season by any of their current players during their careers. Okay. Yeah. Liverpool have Salah on 32 goals. Yeah. Wait, Tottenham this is, have Kane on. This is most goals scored in a single season, sorry. Yeah, in a, in a single league season by any of their current players during their careers. Okay, cool. So it doesn't even have to be playing for... Um, a Premier League Playing team. for the team that they've scored these goals for. Okay, I see. Interesting. Okay, so Kane's got 30. Yeah. Arsenal, Aubameyang got 28. Interesting, yeah. Man City, Aguero with 26. Yep. Uh, Chelsea, Tammy Abraham, 26. Yep. Manchester United, Paul Pogba with 13. We like to share though, innit? <laughs> like, like, wow. Um, the other one I've got for you that I think is real interesting. Is this another? Is Kevin in- De- okay, hit me. <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne has more assists in the first seven games of this Premier League season than Paul Scholes managed in any season of his playing career. Hey, but Paul Scholes wasn't just about assists. No, but it's a very interesting stat. Why were both of those stats aimed at Manchester United? <laughs> it's just fun. Well, you know what? I'm a Leicester fan anyway, so I don't care. <laughs> I've gonna... got one about Leicester. If you hold on, I got one about Leicester. Have you really? <laughs> no, I haven't. Thank God. You know what? But when we do the podcast next time, I am going to learn a Leicester song, and I'm going to sing it because by then I will have made the full, you know, loan transfer deal. I would have done the medical and everything, and I would be immersed as a Leicester City fan. Um, and wow, so I, I know I mean... the songs and stuff so if, if if nothing else people tune in next week just to hear him sing yep yeah we'll make sure we don't tell you when it's going to happen as well it'll probably be right in the middle of the podcast <laughs> so that, so that you have to listen and then hopefully you'll be gripped by the time he's finished singing that you'll want to hear the rest of it that's exactly it <laughs> uh, one thing Messi was crowned as world player of the year again I don't know. Yeah. I don't think that was acceptable for the first time in my life. I think someone else deserved it. Oh, this is interesting because I, I heard, I had this argument, um, but go on. I'm guessing you think Virgil van Dijk deserved it. Yeah. I just think it, a player who has been in a team that's won a lot, deserves to win it because it suggests a lot about the influence that player has. And although Messi may be brilliant individually, other than winning the league and maybe a domestic cup with Barcelona, he didn't really win much. Even on a national level, I think Van Dijk achieved a lot more with, with Holland than Messi did with Argentina. No, and I get what you're saying. And I think that's a very valid point. I think the thing that I take from it and the thing that I have a massive issue with is that someone brought it to my attention that Messi had a standard season for Messi the problem is is Messi's standard season is so good that it shouldn't be classed as a standard season 
Mm. Like the guy is still scoring 40, 50 goals a season and, you know, 20 odd assists. His numbers are mad. He's put, he's put an incredible performance in. And to be honest, he dragged that Barcelona team through games last season, mm. which he's done for years. Um, I kind of agree that Van Dijk maybe should have won it. Maybe on the pure basis that when Van Dijk joined Liverpool, stepped up gears. Mm. Um, whereas Barcelona have especially in the Champions League ever so slightly derailed mm. um, but it's too close to call between them two to be honest and I'm not begrudged by Messi winning it whatsoever Fair enough. That's that's a good argument to put across. And in all fairness, um, as much as I'd like to, I don't really get the chance to watch much La Liga football. So it's hard to really, you know, whereas Van Dijk I've seen like almost every week doing bits. And even on like a national level, we had the, wait, the, what's it called? The thingy cup? The Nations League. You know, I saw Van Dijk performing that, obviously as someone who watches England, whereas I didn't really watch the... I don't even know what the thing is called again. What's the South American Cup? Copper America? The, yeah, I didn't really watch the Copper Copper feel. Copper America. Cop, that is terrible. We are editing that out. <laughs> that is bad. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I think the... Obviously, we've... A technical glitch stopped us from doing the... Um, our predictions for this week. Ah, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, technical back. glitch being technical glitch being have we have we got an excuse? Uh, or should we just edit it out? Should we just very, edit it? Very we just, busy. <laughs> I was very yeah, I was in Blackpool really busy, actually. Yeah. Really busy and didn't forget. That's what that's the key. We didn't forget. Yeah. Um and Champions League's back this week. Big up, yeah. I mean, I don't know why I'm excited because Leicester aren't in the Champions League, nor are my other team, Man yeah. United. <laughs> oh, no, they're not, are they? I forgot no. about that. Oh, that's unlucky. But it's still exciting. It's, it's great to watch football midweek. I quite enjoy it it football midweek. It's great. Big games tonight. Tottenham by Munich. Ah. Juventus by Leverkusen. By Leverkusen, yeah. Go on, how are the English teams going to fare? How are Tottenham going to do against Bayern Munich? Um, I see that one being a draw. I see him, yeah, I, I see Bayern Munich being all over them, getting one goal, and then Harry Kane just just popping up. But I can see. I think Tottenham are going to win. You think so? Yep. Interesting. I think Tottenham are going to win it. Not the whole thing, just the game. Interesting. Okay. Um, I think they'll win two one. I think Man City are going to beat Dynamo Zagreb four 0 yeah, that that'll be easy, surely. Um, tomorrow, Liverpool have got Salzburg, and I think we'll beat them. Um, I think we'll beat them three-one. No, you think Salzburg lets will get a goal? Yeah, I think they'll get a goal. Interesting. Um, and then I mm. think that Chelsea will draw with Lille. Okay, that'll be an interesting game. Um, a, a draw. Mm. I'm not sure about it. it'll be if it's a draw. I think Chelsea will definitely have the better of the game, and they'll be unlucky in drawing. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, how do you think them two will go? You think Liverpool will win? 
Yeah, I think Liverpool uh, will cruise that one. I, I don't really see Salzburg getting a goal. I think Liverpool might go like 3 0 up in the first half and then just ease up and just control the yeah. game and it'll probably end 3 3 0, I reckon. Um, and they're then, not a bad side, Yeah, they're all right, but I mean, Liverpool are very, very good. Um, yeah. And then also the Chelsea Lille game. I haven't really been following the French league, so I don't know how Lille kind of fare as a, as a team. I know they're not. I know they're not bad. Um, I just think with with like Hudson Adoy back, who's like a quite a big threat. Mason Mount killing it. Tammy Abraham looking to keep up this. I just think Chelsea might just edge it. And by Lille edge it, fourth. I mean like a, they're fourth. Yeah. Uh, I would say like 2-1 to Chelsea. I think Lille, it'll be a good game though. I think of all the games, that'll be probably that and Tottenham-Bayern of the English team games, I think will be the tightest. Um, on um, Europa League, um, Arsenal have got standard Liège. Standard. Standard. Standard <laughs> procedure. Uh, Arsenal win that. Yeah, yeah, they should do. Um, they, they, they will uh, concede a goal because Arsenal do concede goals, but they'll score yes, more. They're rubbish at the back. Yeah, but they'll they'll win three one. Yeah, uh, Besiktas have got Wolves, which I think will be a tight game. I think that I think Besiktas will just nick that. Yeah, Wolves are weird, man. I feel like they look good in, in Europe, but domestically they they haven't really pulled out of the bag yet. Yeah, and AZ Alkmaar versus Manchester United. Uh, it's got to be a Man United win, surely. But it'll be 1-0 because they don't think, score many goals. I think they're going to beat you. You think so? Yeah. You know, it wouldn't surprise me if they did, actually. So If they do score, it'll or, be from like a set piece, I reckon. Yeah. Oh, oh big shout. Also, Stick a tenor on it. I've got a sort of weird allegiance to Partizan because I used to play for a five-a-side team called Partizan Belend. Um, they're playing Astana. I don't really care what happens. I just wanted to highlight that. I kind of like Partizan. And also Young Boys, because I used to play for a football team called Gary Glitter's Young Boys. <laughs> this, can, we, can we put some sort of disclaimer on this? Gary Glitter wasn't our manager. <laughs> or or oh, our coach okay. or, or physio or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> physio! <laughs> just when I thought this podcast was PG. <laughs> Yeah, shout out Gary Glitter's young boys. They've got Rangers. Um, who's you know your your man's team, Stephen Gerrard. Yeah. Um, hopefully he won't slip up in that game. Boo, boo. <laughs> and right, so next week everyone tune in to listen to Silas singing a Leicester City song. Yeah. That's all I'm looking forward to. I love you, Leicester. Jamie Vardy's having a party. Bring your vodka and your Charlie. Yeah, I know those ones already. Oh, wow. Honestly, you might be able to do a little album, a little <laughs> <We> remix. <laughs> Leicester City. Um, right. Thank you all for listening. Um, again, follow us on Instagram, on the Instagram. Yeah. Um, at the Generic Football Show. Um, more content will be going up soon. Yep. And uh, thank you for your support. Love. As always, a <laughs> pleasure.